we'll give it a shot. All right, let's try. Okay, so I hope you've got your Bibles open with you to uh, John chapter 14. In this chapter where we started last week, we saw Jesus give to the disciples omnipotent comfort uh, to his followers in light of his coming departure. He wanted to give them comfort and assurance by telling them that though he was in fact physically going to be departing from them, that in fact he was going to prepare a place for them and he would come back, he would take them to that place where we, they would dwell for all eternity without trouble with him and with his heavenly father. And he closed the section that we were in last week with respect to his father, speaking of his father, saying, from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Now, Philip, the disciple, is listening to that, saying that, that saying that Jesus just made, you've seen him. And it triggers for Philip a, a question and a request. And that's where our text begins today. Let me read for us from verse 8 to verse 14 this morning. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Let's pray. Lord, these are extraordinary words this morning and extraordinary promises and help us to be awed by them and to delight in them along with the disciples who heard them for the very first time. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, 1,500 years before Philip made this request to our Lord, Moses was also a man who was in need of comfort. He was in need of assurance from God for what lay ahead of him. And so Moses, in prayer to the Lord, said, Lord, please show me your glory. Show me your glory. Very similar to Philip's request here, show us the Father. Both Moses and Philip shared this sense that if there was a way, if there was somehow that they could just see God, if they could just be in the presence of God physically and visibly, that, that things would be better, that they'd be more assured, that they'd have more comfort about them. And that's easy for us to imagine, right? I mean, if, if we could see God right now, in the midst of a global pandemic, each of us would think, okay, things are going to be okay. I've seen God. But both Moses and Philip apprehended the truth 
the realization that somehow the sight lines were now obscured between man and God, between them and God the Father, that something was obstructing their vision. Now, there are lots of places that we could turn in Scripture to understand what exactly is obstructing our vision of God, but perhaps one of the clearest statements that we can find is in Isaiah, in the prophet Isaiah, who in a timeline comes right in the middle of both of these men making this request. And Isaiah explains it in chapter 59, saying it this way, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you. That's getting it right at the heart. Isaiah says to us that our, our sins have shut us off from God. Our sins closed off the garden. They closed off the view that we have of God. That's the thing that's obstructing. That's why we cannot see God. But now back to our text today. All of this talk of a place and all of this talk about being with the Father perhaps makes Philip wonder if, if it's possible now that we could ask the old question from the soul of humanity. Per perhaps a new access has been opened. After all, Jesus has just said, I am the way. And, and Philip thinks, well, okay, if Jesus is the way and he's the way to the Father, perhaps there is a, a scenic overlook a, a promontory from which we could look out of the vast, glorious immensity of God. And so, so he comes to Jesus and says, Lord, show us the Father. And Jesus, the man who just a few moments earlier was girded with a towel and was washing Philip's feet just a few minutes before that, says in effect to him, Philip, 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 how did you miss this? How could you possibly have missed this reality? We have been together for three years. You have heard my words. You have seen the works that I've done. You, along with these other 10 men that are here right now, have been the particular recipient of my love. I just washed your feet, Philip. Philip, how can you see and not see? How can you know and not know that when you are looking at me, as you're doing right now, Peter, uh, Philip, you're looking at my father. Because I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Jesus here is speaking of the unity, the, the, the union of his divine essence with the Father. There's no distinction between the essence, the being, the substance of the Father and of the Son. They are one in their divinity. That's what Jesus referred to back in John chapter 10 when he said, I and the Father are one. 
they're one in their divinity. Now, to be sure, they are distinct in their persons. There's still a father and there's still a son. And the father is not the son and the son is not the father with respect to their persons. But they are united in the divine essence. And Jesus says to Philip, Philip, you need to believe this. With respect to this call, with respect to what you're talking about right now, this isn't an option. You have to believe that that is who I am. That's the, that's the call from verse 11 there. Listen to Jesus. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. I said this last week, but let me say it again. Jesus isn't simply here advocating the value of faith, faith in anything. Faith helps. He's talking instead about a very specific, a very particular content of the faith that you have to believe who Jesus is based upon his union with the Father. The Athanasian Creed, one of the ancient creeds of the church, essentially works through that whole thing, describing in detail what this means. And it says at the end of it, this is the Catholic faith. This faith that says that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. This is the Catholic faith. One cannot be saved without believing it firmly and faithfully. And so Jesus places his foot firmly in the unity that exists between him as the Father as the son with the father and from his, his foot firmly placed there pushes off of that. Let, let me try and clarify here. Jesus is not trying to provide some abstract theological footnote, uh, somehow to wow the disciples with his erudition here before a, a few hours before he, he dies. He's trying to show them, that everything he is about to say to them, and in fact, everything that he said before this, and everything that he is about to do for them, and in fact, everything that he's done before this, is grounded in his relationship with the Father. Now, he has had an eternal relationship with the Father as the eternal Logos, the Word of God, as the eternal Son of God. He has always been in relationship to his Father. But remember, he's talking now about going back to his Father, and when he returns to his Father, something new is going to take place in that eternal relationship, namely, an incarnate and enfleshed a man is going to be with God. He's going to have the relationship that he's had for all eternity, but now he's donned with flesh. A way is being made for man to be in the presence of God, to be in the presence of the glory of God, in the presence of the Father and Philip and to all of us. That truly, truly, truly makes a change in the family and in our access to the Father. It's not just that Jesus is going to be before God. It's that he is about to go and be before God, having accomplished the work that the Father gave him to do, which is to say, having overcome the separation that was described in Isaiah. And so Philip, 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 your request is about to be 
fulfilled in a way that you can't even imagine. So much greater than what you can imagine. And the reality is your request is fulfilled right now. Here I am. I'm standing in front of you. And now, Philip, in my name, ask whatever you will. Ask whatever you will. In my name. In my name is said twice in our text here in verses 13 and 14. It is said five more times in John 15 and 16. In my name, in my forgiveness, in my salvation, in my mediatorial work on your behalf, in my advocacy for you, but perhaps most significantly, Philip, in my love, in, in, in my name, which is love, in my love, in my enveloping love, in the love that I share with the Father as the eternally beloved Son and now the e eternally beloved God-man, I am enveloping you. I am bringing you into that family. I'm sharing my name with you. And so ask. Uh, Tuesday morning, 9.30 this week uh, for the, the phone rang. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, mornings and particularly Tuesday mornings are kind of uh, sacrosanct times for me. They're sequestered, not sequestered in the sense that we're sequestered these days, but they're times when I generally speaking don't answer the telephone and I don't respond to emails because it's my best thinking time, my best working time in preparation for sermons and for teaching. But the phone rang on Tuesday morning at 9.30 and I answered it. Uh, and, and, and do you know why I answered it? I answered it because the name that was on my phone said Tim Huber. And, and when your last name is Huber, you have access. If your last name is or ever was Huber, you've got access to me. Tim's got access to me immediately. And that is what Jesus is now saying to Philip and to all of us. Come. Come in my love, come in my name. I'm here, you've got my name, you've got the family name, use my name. We say that in conversations to people, right? If they're gonna apply something, use my name. Because we know it might get somebody's foot in the door. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Use my name, it'll get you in the door with my father because it's my delight to hear and to glorify my father. And then verses 12 through 14, We've got three mind-blowing, staggering words that are used by Jesus to describe this aspect, this, this access that we have to him. And the words are greater, whatever, and anything. Greater works than these, whatever you ask, and if you ask me anything. I confess to you that I can't fully understand. I don't think I can fully appreciate how wonderful this is that Jesus gives us this kind of access and makes these kind of huge statements to us about prayer and about our lives. Perhaps we just need to say a couple of things. Uh, it, it, one I've said earlier, in prayer, we're really, as we grow as Christians, not seeking so much our will to be done, but the Lord's will to be done. That's what we pray in the Lord's prayer. And it should be clear to us, I think, I, I hope with a little bit of mature reflection, that Jesus isn't, isn't promising here to be our personal uh, genie in the bottle, uh, and you get three wishes, or for that matter, you get unlimited wishes, and you can have whatever you want for your personal fulfillment, nor 
is is he promising here that we'll be kind of these spectacular human beings, these miracle workers, these people who can do anything they want to do, who are bulletproof, who can uh, leap off or over high buildings, who can fly around, who can do whatever we want to do, immune from any pain. He's he's not he's not doing that. But that said, those those little qualifications there, the promise to us is absolutely staggering. The access that has been purchased for us by Christ to his Father is now unimpeded, unobstructed. We, we have the ear of the Almighty. And Jesus is saying, take advantage of it. Take advantage of the fact that you have exactly this. A new epoch is dawning in God's relationship to man. Uh, there are so many things we could say. Let me just point to one. Do you remember in the Gospels when Jesus says of John the Baptist that of those who were born uh, of woman, there's none greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven shall be greater than John. Philip, Philip, there's something greater coming. Think about this. Philip has been with Jesus for three years. For three years, he's been with him, and he's still confused. He's still confused. He still doesn't quite get it. And Jesus is saying, listen, Philip, something greater is coming, something greater in extent, something greater in efficacy, something more in depth, in access, deeper in relationship is getting ready to take place Philip, and it's going to give you such unfettered access to me and to my father. Jesus cannot be fully understood, known, heralded, proclaimed. He cannot be fully loved without the cross. Without the cross. Without that thing that smashes the separation between God and man without that thing that deals with the sins that hid his face from us. The cross is getting ready to happen in a few hours to Jesus. But without the cross, without the resurrection, without the ascension, without Pentecost, the outpouring of the spirit that takes place there, it's hard for us to know, just like it was hard for Philip to know at this particular time. But something greater was promised because then when that takes place the cross the resurrection the ascension and pentecost then the spiritual sight lines will be open albeit right now we see with the eyes of faith and we see in a mirror dimly but then the sight lines and the access will be open to our father and we will pray and we will pray and we will approach the throne of God with boldness because a way has been opened for us. And the way that is open for us is in the name of Jesus. In the name of Christ, we have this access to God. Brothers and sisters, may we delightfully and boldly use the gift that has been given to us Father loves the Son, the Son loves the Father, and now 
we have access to them both in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for, I think, uh, what looks like the, the, the audio uh, going well for the sermon, and we rejoice in that. We pray that you would help us to apply these things. Jesus, that we would see the love that you and your Father have for one another, that now we've been included in it, and we delight to converse with you and to converse boldly with you. We pray that you would enable us to do that. And remember that all we do and all we have is in your name. So we pray. Amen. All right, let me invite you once again to stand with me as I give us the benediction this morning. Uh, this benediction is the ironic uh, benediction. It was given as a way of placing the name of the Lord upon the people of God. So receive it as such. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters, it would be great uh, to actually be physically uh, together right now. But as I said last week, that's not possible for us. In the meantime, then, uh, God bless you and keep you safe and well. And I'll say till we meet again. Amen.